It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal, Rick Brewing from Musketeer Report. We're all back together again. As always, it's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Uh, we missed start, you, Dad. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. How, how, did, how did Stepdad fill in? It was okay. I, I like Stepdad. He's a good man. Stepdad's great. He, he doesn't cut us off. He lets us talk. Yep. We, we get to run the house for a couple. See, a couple, that's, yeah. you got to have Dad there, though, to put the hammer down on the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Stepdad let us order like frozen pizza, right? Correct, and correct. Pizza rolls. Got to sip his beer, right? Got to sip out of the big boy yeah, cup. Gave us a few tastes. Yep. What a dad. It was, what it a, was what, bourbon. What a stepdad. Yes, I, I, I probably was. Um, I'll start with the you see the, the freshest of the games as we uh, record this podcast coming back to beat Temple. Um, boy, for the longest time, it just felt like there's you know they're they're, they're not going to come back. It, it, you know maybe Temple wasn't going to keep shooting the way they shot from three point range, but Temple's pretty good and they're pretty good at home and they were playing good enough to build a fourteen point lead but man you see just own the glass i mean at one point it was what 40 i think it ended at 46 22 but at one yeah. point it was 40 i looked at it, it was 43 17 yeah which is absurd 30 defensive rebounds 16 offensive rebounds yeah the 16 offensive rebounds is what saved you really well and temple only getting three offensive right. rebounds right. on quite a few misses yes um rebounding they took care of the ball in the second half. Eight turnovers in the first half, only two turnovers in the second Against half. Against a team that's really good at stealing the basketball. Yeah. Um, and then they didn't shoot the three well. At all. But the three they got were critical. Jennifer's, when um, Temple was trying to extend that lead out in double digits, and I think he cut it back to 10 or 11. Uh, Cumberland made Cumberland made Cum- Well, Cumberland changed the game. Yeah. Because that one, it went from nine to five. You get a four-point play right there, um, bang, and all of a sudden you're within two scores. And it's a it's a much – the game had a much different feel. And then Keith Williams bangs one in to give them their first lead of the game, 57-55. Um, so a little bit of timely shooting. Um, how about Jaron Cumberland getting to the free throw line the past three weeks? Yeah, it's almost like he he when he comes downhill. I don't even think he's thinking about making a shot. He's looking to looks, looks like a bumper car. He's going to crash into somebody who's not looking and draw the foul and go to the line. That and he's also become really good at that change of pace, where he can put a hesitation on you, and you're so focused on stopping the freight train, right. he puts that hesitation on you, and now you're off balance. And he <laughs> he went to the line 17 times today, and. It's like the fourth well, game out of five. He's had more than 15 free throws. And let's face it, too. When you're not making shots, which they weren't, and you weren't making shots from deep, I mean, there's one other way you can do it, and that's get to the line and, and kind of slowly grind your way back into it. And uh, he did. I mean, he, he, he absolutely changed it. But that's what he's become, right? I mean, it feels like every big second half on the road where they've hit a rut or they need a lift, he's become the guy. They have literally the last 10 minutes of games just give it to Jaron and get out of his right. way and let him either get fouled get a bucket, or facilitate for somebody else to get a bucket. Yeah, more times it's, it's usually him getting it, but he has facilitated some. You're he, right. I mean, he's made yeah, some really yeah. good passes. And teams are loading up two sure. or three guys to stop him. So, and he's got good vision and good feel. Um, Mick said something in the post game that was interesting that maybe we'll talk about later. Well, I'm going to ask you about him. I mean, is, is he now the guy that you say is the player of the year in the league? Oh, he's the player of the year in the league. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Right now. And there's still, you know, 10 games to go, but... As it stands, who in the league's playing better than him? Yeah, no, no right, right. 
Um, I think you and I, uh, during the week, we, we thought Temple would win this game, Rick, um, just because it was at Temple. They're a pretty good team, etc. Um, just looking from the other side of it, just watching what UC did, um, how impressed were you the fact that, again, things weren't going right? Temple is a pretty good team, and this team found a way to grind out a win on the road, and, and that's kind of the, what we were wondering, could this team do that kind of stuff? Well, and, and that's the big thing with this group is without the offensive firepower and with, like, we looked at them coming into the year as they're taking a step back talent-wise. But mentally, I mean, this is a tough, resilient group who really hasn't flinched all year. And we've given them the wiggle room, kind of put that expectation on them of saying, well, they're allowed to flinch. Like, they're, yeah. this year's team is allowed to flinch. They're young. They, they're inexperienced. They don't have the guys they had last year. They're trying to rely on sort of one guy to do it and carry them. And uh, Jaron's been that guy for them. And the rest of the group is they've just they've really bought into their roles. And that that's what this requires to be this type of team and to be good at it. It's like we talked about earlier. I mean, this was probably a month or two ago. This is almost the perfect Mick Cronin team. You know, it's not as talented as some of the teams he's had, but in terms of their style, the way the guys buy into their roles, and the the way the team is just sort of formatted, it really fits his style well. Now sitting at 26 in the country in offensive efficiency. Yeah, no, they're they're better offensive efficiency than they are defensive efficiency. I mean, it's the bizarro Bearcats. I mean, honestly, for a team that really does have one legitimate offensive threat, I mean, they've got some other parts, but one real legitimate offensive threat, you would think this would be a team that would have to beat you 55-51 on the road. And they're not doing that. Correct. 72 today. That's the first time a Mick Cronin team has scored over 60 in Philly playing Temple. I mean, they notoriously struggled to score there. Even in the, they're four and two. They've won a bunch of games there uh, against Fran. Right. But it's been a rock fight. And this was if they if, if they were only able to score fifty eight and obviously sixty eight, Temple scored, but if they were only able to score fifty eight, fifty nine, sixty points, they lose today a hundred times out of a hundred. And this team somehow twenty five at halftime. Right. Forty seven in the second half and only hit three threes. Right. That's ridiculous for a McCronin team. I also just want to reiterate, I said it after the Crosstown shootout, but I want to make sure I say it now, like when he's not exactly blowing up, we're not freaking out about how well he's played. Keith Williams is going to be really good. Yeah. I really like him. What are your thoughts on the AAC leader and three-point percentage? I don't don't know what that means. You don't know who's leading the AAC in three-point percentage? No, I don't look at the AAC stats. Justin Jennifer, right? Yeah. I, mean, I was mocked on this podcast when I said, if he shoots around 40%, this team could be pretty good I on offense. Ne- I would have never believed. I was mocked. I didn't know. I didn't know. Mocked. Did you mock him? Hold on. Did you mock Hold him? Hold on. <laughs> Chad won. So, like, five million. You get mocked because you say a lot of stupid things. Most of them you're wrong about. Okay. So, he's got one now. Hang yeah, on, he hang got on, one on. Justin Jennifer point. On. And, by the way, I still wouldn't want him as my point guard in a million years if I'm trying to win in the tournament. Like, I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna chisel that one right here. Yeah. Right, right <laughs> etch that, etch it, that it into is. the table for it him. Is. He's very it, excited it, about it. It is, but but he has become a legitimate threat shooting the ball. Yeah, especially when he catches in rhythm and you don't guard him. Well, but that, those <laughs> are the ones guy. he's taking. That's the one he needed to make. Right. I agree. Right. He's he's had a great year and done what he needed to do. The point still stands. See, I I've been a bigger man about this because I was wrong about Justin Jennifer. And I had my my evaluation of him wrong when I scouted him. I did not think he could play at this level. He's proven me wrong. Kudos to him. Rick could swallow his pride and just say he got it wrong too. But the, the point is, I mean, maybe he wasn't, but he has, he's gotten to the point where at least he's capable. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not hurting them. He's had a really good year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's the overwhelming point. How, how does it? How does one team look? I know it's a the, the Temple plays a bunch of guards, and even they have a six eight guy. He weighs one hundred and twenty three pounds, so he's not going to probably keep you off the glass. But how, honestly, Flacby's well, pretty good. How does a team keep? I don't know how you get feet that bad. That bad. I, I don't either. 
I mean, I know, I know it's do, a UC thing, and I know it's a Mick thing. They haven't to up go until to the, right. the last two weeks. They haven't been good on the glass. Not Damn. normally, like not like they normally are. That that was just complete, total butt whipping on the glass. It was unbelievable. No, it was. It really was. The him. ball should fall to you when you that much. I mean, yes. forty six to twenty two. Especially when the other team was missing as much as they were missing in UC. Yeah, UC shot thirty five percent in the first half. Yeah. 16 offensive rebounds. Go rebound the ball. Not good. Think Fran has any drills for that? I mean, Fran's only been around for a while. I think Fran's got a drill or two for, for boxing out and putting a body on somebody. And Coach of the year's got to have a boxing out got to, drill. don't you think? I would think. Coach for life. Yeah. I mean, holy, holy cow. Throw it up off the glass. Have the pads out. Get the pads out. Get, the, get what Izzo does every once in a while. Get the football stuff out. Get the football helmets, football gear out. Do I, something. I like that one. I something. Like, I like those drills where bodies go flying all around. Man. I can't think of a more tool move as a coach. Than to pull out the football stuff. Oh, I think it's that awesome. is the I absolute the, weakest I the, football, I football guy wannabe coach move ever. That's it. That's an Izzo. He does it. That's embarrassing. <laughs> He's had some pretty good success. Like honestly, doing that is ten times more embarrassing than us hyping up Camp Cal. Um, yeah, that's, that's possible. Yes, that, that's, it is. That, that is that is entirely it's pretty possible. embarrassing, yeah, Camp Cal. Yeah, that is pretty. And a, and and what what's the other one? The tweak. The tweak. Oh, he's got a tweak. Tweak this year was a kid leaving. That was the tweak. <laughs> the tweak is, you're out, son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The tweak's still coming. We haven't hit that second. That's a good you, point. you got to wait till they hit the that, second The second rut. lull. Yeah, the first rut is is uh, fixed by Camp Cal. The right. second rut later in the season when everyone starts freaking out before the tournament, that's when he puts in the tweak that's before the point. tournament. We'll get to Kentucky here in just Which is different bit. than the twerk. <laughs> you don't want the twerk. Not, not, not by your players <laughs> on the floor. You don't want the twerk, for goodness sakes. Um, one last point about about UC and today. I do want to touch on the, the, the replay that um, – Actually, ended up costing UC maybe four points when all was said and done. He missed both free throws. Yeah, but it, it, UC was going to get the ball though. They're yeah. going to have it underneath their own basket um, and a chance to maybe score there. How do the officials miss that when, when in the the rule you can only call that as a flagrant two and not a flagrant one? And there's no way that was a flagrant two. I mean, I never heard that. They didn't explain it as such. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So then they blew it. Well, according to what was said post game. I think what happened was one of the, the, the officials behind the play saw Jaron pull. So what happened is there, there's a the, fast the, break. Listen, the one thing that's clear is he definitely pulled it short. That part's clear. Jaron reached out, grabbed Quentin Rose's yeah. shorts as he was in transition. Rose, two dribbles later, loses the ball. Kane Broom grabs it. Rose knocks it out of bounds. I think one of the officials from behind the play saw it or thought he saw it but didn't blow the whistle. So Dems to breaks, man. Exactly. You don't blow the whistle. You're not allowed to go to the monitor. So what they did then is they said, well, we're going to review who the ball was out on. Correct. And then while they were reviewing they, who the they, ball was out on, that. but there was four seconds before, like they literally went over there to see if Jaron grabbed his shorts. Well, they, they froze the picture at, yeah. at that point. They froze the replay. Sounds like a smart move by the refs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we missed this one, but there's a loophole here. We can fix yeah, it. Except there's not. Except there's not. That's you just can't it. do that. Well, I mean, yeah. I think they just did. I think they, 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 in fact, did, they they in fact did do it. Yeah. But the rules say you cannot do it. No, and that that's the AAC officiating in a nutshell, is it not? Yeah. Rule book. Eh. <laughs> Formality. Now, as I said on, on Local 12 Sports Authority tonight. Not to brag. Not, not to brag. brag. You were on there, too. But we're on TV. Yeah. I, I don't have a huge deal with it because it was a flagrant one. Yes. But but by the you rule. don't get to make up the rules. That's correct. You don't. They're getting worse. So who gets held accountable for that? No one. Thank you. 
That's troublesome. That's why they're getting worse, Skinny. They've been doing terrible stuff for three weeks now. And for those who don't, this is not just UC related. Oh, no. This stuff. They're this bad. Been across the board in the league. They're bad in every game. Right. There's been no reprimands from the league office for all this terrible stuff that they've done. And now they're just saying, screw it. We're making up the rules. Come get me, Curtis Shaw. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's unfathomable to me. I mean, it really it's truly unbelievable. is. And, and this was just a microcosm of it. It really was. Make it up as you go. Great. AAC officiating. Make it up as you go. Great. Now what's Chad's final take going to be? <laughs> we already blew it. No, I probably got something else. Yeah. His, his weekly I, Actually, I already blew my final take. Oh, did you? The Justin Jennifer oh, okay. thing okay. I was going to do at last. Yeah, but. might as well do it while, while it's fresh in yeah. everybody's memory. Yeah, that's really been building, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, UC off for this week until Saturday when yeah. SMU comes uh, comes to town. Uh, is, is that a good time to have a little bit of a break, or, or would you like to see this team have had a midweek game to keep rolling, um, keep, it, keep it normal? I don't mind it right now because your last 10 games are, are really rough. tough. Yeah. You got four against UCF and Houston. You've got Memphis twice. They actually only play six teams in their final ten games. But play a bunch twice. They got four of them twice, and then Wichita State. And And they do not have a return game with Temple. They do not have a return game with Temple. That's done. Um, So I I don't mind it at this point. I think it's actually kind of a good thing to get that little five days off here um, right before you get into February. Uh, I I think that's – they had a nice break at Christmas, got back into it, had the bump in the road at ECU. But other than that, now they're on a seven-game winning streak. Now you get a little bit of a break. You can maybe – I'm interested to see what really changed this game was when Temple was making a bunch of threes. And Mick Cronin – What, 7-16 in the first, 7-17 yeah. in the first half, something like Mick that. Mick Cronin came out of the matchup zone and went to a switching man-to-man, and that changed the complexion of the game. Um, when they are playing these smaller teams that want to spread them out, I wonder if we're going to start seeing that more and more frequently because those teams that are playing small have figured out that zone or at least figured out that zone with this team playing right, it. Right. And that man-to-man switch really, I thought, changed the momentum, changed the flow of the game. I think Temple only hit two threes in the second half. Um, so uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, get a little bit of time to work on some things, a couple days to work on some things. Probably won't really get into SMU prep until Thursday. Yeah, like to late in the week, yeah. So you've got a couple days to, to work on some skill stuff, work on some defensive rotations and assignments. I think it's a good thing right, right now. Excuse me. Um, for the AAC, if I were to pin you down today, how many teams would get in as we sit here today? And where would UC maybe be seated if, if we did it today? Right now, I'd say UC is probably, and, and this was a, a big tier one road win. Mm-hmm. So I yesterday, I probably would have said eight or nine. Today, I'd probably say seven or eight. Um, they're pretty comfortably in. Houston's in. Um, Temple and UCF are bubble. And That's as we right. always say, 68 teams, like the rule is that 68 teams have yeah, to get in. Unless the AC decides we're going to have a 69th. We get a 69th. UC is going to have to give up a game or two to someone, I think. <laughs> Probably. Like, like The collusion is going Temple. to happen. Yeah. yeah. The collusion is going yeah, to happen. Temple could have used today. For yeah. Sure. Temple got, if Temple had gotten Houston and Cincinnati at they're, home. They're pretty on chance. They're, they're in really good shape. Right. Yeah. Um, UCF. They've lost at Wichita State and at Memphis. And, and I don't at, see it getting better for them. At Memphis by 20. Yeah. Like, Memphis boat raced them. Uh, dog walked is the new, that's is the the new, new? thing okay. on the internet, right? Uh, dog walked. I, that's news to me. That's what the kids are saying these days. I'll take his word for I'll it. I'll take his word for it, yep. too. I think it was a Cardi B, Tommy Laren 
beef on Twitter. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. This, uh, we're appealing to a new demographic tonight, <laughs> apparently. Hey, I, 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 I dog walking. Remember yeah. that. Cardi B told Tommy Laren she'd dog walker. Getting the Generation Z. That sounds a little, that sounds a little risque to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I don't, we might need to check the origins <laughs> and the definition on, uh, exactly. We'll come back next week and go, ooh, we shouldn't have said that. Um, yeah. yeah. They're both. You looked that up on Urban Dictionary first. Before yeah, you came in here and just started slanging around. No, I mean, yeah, I did actually. It was. I can't believe you missed. At least you sleep during the day now, don't you? Yeah, you miss a lot of the Twitter fun that the kids are having these days. The kids. I think we may have different timelines. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably do. Um, one of the. I think one of those two has a good chance to get in. Um, but you're right. If Cincinnati and Houston don't drop games to those two. Even they, 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 like I said, Houston did lose that Temple. Um, it's going to be tough. I thought going into this thing, like that would definitely happen, but UC's not losing the games that you would think they would lose. <laughs> I, I concur. And, um, and part of it is like, even with Houston too, I don't know how good the rest of the conference is to really pull off those wins. Like, I think UC and Houston are clearly the two best teams. So, I thought UConn would be more of a threat. I did too. Honestly, their bigs are so bad. That's what's killing them. Earlier in the year, in the non-conference, I I was looking at them like, oh, this team's kind of talented, and yeah, I mean, their backcourt's really, really good. Still good, and they're playing better. So, didn't happen. Nope, that's for Uh, sure. Memphis might now. Listen now, listen. What? Listen to what I say first. I don't think that they're a challenge to win the conference. I know what you're saying, but the tournament. But the tournament is in FedEx Forum, and they are really good for whatever reason. At FedEx Forum, this league isn't so good that yeah, you couldn't have a surprise winner that that, that, that Memphis way. might not. And and right now they're kind of positioning themselves to be four five. Right. Yeah, like they they could be in a nice spot to make a run in the conference tournament. Which and then maybe you know maybe you get an extra a bid that sneaks in uh, because of that. Yeah, right. But, right. Um, it, it's it's the the conference is good, like. It's not great. It's not really good. But in comparison to where they've been the last couple of years, they're the sixth or seventh best well, conference. That's what you expect from them. It's when UC and, and, and Houston go on the road, they still have to play well, at least well enough to well, win. You, you have just seven, can't roll out and, and, and win because of who you are. You have seven top 100 teams now in the conference, which in years past there were three, four. So there's a couple more games on the road that are going to be tougher than they have been. And now there's really only one or two bad teams at the back end, and the rest of the middle is better. They're not; it's not really good, or you know, it's not a. It's not, they're not competing with the ACC or the the Big Ten or where the SEC for best conference. But it's improving, and it's better, and the depth is better, and you still have two really good teams at the top. So, you know, say what you will, but it's it, it's getting there. Yeah. All right, on to Xavier. Um, the, the the midweek loss to Providence was downright embarrassing. Saturday was disappointing because you have a 12-point lead and, and can't hang on to that lead. I think if they'd have played the way Saturday, if they'd have played that way against Providence, yeah. I think they certainly win that game. And you start to look up, and they would have been 4-4 four and four in the league, which right now 4-4 four and four in the league would put them third, third in the league. Third place. Which is, which is crazy to see how, how thin that is. Did you see things from Saturday that made you go, "All right, they, you know they still can pull out a few wins, especially at home"? Or was 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 Wednesday more of what we were going to see moving forward at times from this team? No, it's or the, both. It's yeah, but both. both. It's, it's what we've been saying all year. Like this team is going to be up and down, and when they win that it, Providence game was dreadful, though. Um, 
I guess. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't one of their better yeah. performances, but that's who this team is. I mean, you asked me the other week when you were saying, oh, they can still go 500. I can they, they win here too. and here? And I, I said, yeah. And I said, but they can also lose at home to Providence You're and right. lose at home to Georgetown. And they're just them playing well for a game or even getting a big win if they they could go on the road and win at Villanova it didn't happen but they could have done that played well though and then turned around and it wouldn't have surprised me if they still lost that Providence game like it does not mean anything especially in this conference the way it's so even this year and, and anyone can beat anyone that this team's just up and down and, and they can't make shots consistently at all so Every game is going to be a crapshoot. Uh, I thought Saturday they played really well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they got down to those final seven minutes and just couldn't score, which is something this team has had trouble with all year. It's not exactly a surprise, and I didn't think it was a complete meltdown where they started turning the ball over no. like crazy. I mean, they didn't have a turnover in the final five yeah, minutes. No. You know, it's and just when, they once you're behind score. Marquette and you have to foul them, they've got so many guys to go to the line and make foul shots, you're dead in the water in the last few minutes. Well, and you're also you're doing it all game by being tough, getting to the free right. throw line, finishing inside. Well, all of a sudden, you don't get a call or two, you miss a layup or a finish or two, and you go one of two at the free throw line a couple of times. And they're trading threes at the other end on every single possession. Mm-hmm. It's just they can mount it up quickly on you, and that's pretty much what happened in that one. This did feel like a stretch, though, because it was four game, four home games in five in a five-game stretch with, Villano- or with Villanova on the road kind of spreading it out, that if you were going to make a push to finish in the upper tier of the league or to finish 500 or above 500, this felt like a stretch where you had to make some hay. They didn't, so I guess I go, now what? Now, that's the thing for me, now what? Yeah, nothing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but it was that case before this either. We were throwing out arbitrary numbers like, hey, if they do this and this, I maybe know. they can get to 500, which means absolutely nothing. So, I mean, they weren't a tournament team. We already knew that. The loss to Providence really doesn't matter because it's not like you were playing for a resume anyways. The biggest concern right now is you, you're starting to see Paul Scruggs take over as kind of the star of this team. Najee Marshall is starting to play better. He doesn't look like... <laughs> Other than the Providence moment where he dribbled from midcourt and it got higher and higher and higher and he dropped, kicked it out of bounds. I like that. Uh, Turnovers are still an issue, which they're always going to be. It's not his strength. But he's playing better. I think we're also seeing he's not maybe the go-to star that some thought he could be coming into this year. And now it's kind of – and Tyreek Jones is playing really well too. So out of your kind of big returners, those guys are playing well and and showing signs of improvement and things are looking positive for next year. The question is what's going on with Quentin Gooden and and how do you fix it and is it fixable and how does he factor in your plans going forward? Because that was one of your top guys coming back this year and he's regressed quite honestly. And and he's had some injury issues. He's had some illness issues. He's had some more injury issues. And I don't know if that's factoring into some of it. A lot more of it seems mental – and physical at this point but sometimes that happens and guys aren't robots we've seen it time and time again where a guy has an inexplicably bad year that happens to kind of be a blip on the radar throughout their career we've seen it with a lot of Xavier players in the past so uh the question is how does he respond these final weeks of the season and what happens in the offseason with him I think that's the biggest question about this program I remember Keith Bogans for Kentucky when I was covering him I mean he had a miserable junior just miserable and you thought well he's not even gonna come back he's just so bad and he couldn't make a shot. He was just he just didn't play the same way. He came back his senior year, was best player in the Southeastern Conference. So it is possible to to do that because you don't know what's going on with these guys and you don't know how the injury might have. Maybe the injury affected the point where it took aggressiveness away from him. Maybe he said, I ain't going in there and getting banged around again because I hurt. I, again, I'm not looking yeah, or, for excuses. Or maybe he came in this year thinking it's my team. I've right. got a new role to take over. Right. He's not himself when it starts. He loses confidence. He still can't shoot. And things just snowball from there and now he's battling all types of things mentally. So And He's battling the team looks better with Paul Scruggs running the team. Yeah, I mean, that, he's I, not playing well, so I don't know what that has but, to do but with But I'm him. saying mentally, like, not only are you not playing well, but there's a guy playing well kind of in your spot. Like, that's got to be mentally, emotionally, that's 
not an easy thing to deal with, I wouldn't think, when you're watching it happen. Yeah, I think the team playing well when he's not in the game is that that situation. Yeah, and I don't know a that lot that of that is that. because of the, Scruggs is in his spot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that, like, they can play together. I don't think that's really a concern about, oh, this guy's playing ahead of me because it's not like they don't play at the same time. You know, it's Yeah, not, no, but I'm talking about more him getting in his head. Yeah, I understand that. I Again, I, I think it would matter more if it's like he has to come off the floor for Paul Scruggs to play, but ideally both of them play together because they're two of the best players. So I think I do think that matters that the team is playing well when he's not in there. I think that's hurting his confidence too. So he's just got to – the thing is he just has to – the nice thing is they are playing well when he's not in there. So it should show to him he doesn't have to go in and do too much. Right. He just has to play within himself, thing. distribute as he did last year, and yeah – your stats aren't going to look like they did last year because you don't have the playmakers you have around you, but still doing that and providing that same game to these guys, to Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall and Tyree Jones, will still help this team the same way it helped last year's team, albeit it may be a little bit different. Is that enough? That's of what we a talked about card? a month ago, though. Yeah, is that enough of a wild card to hang your hat on? And, and I guess if you're looking to cling to some hope that maybe they start to string some wins together enough to maybe give themselves a decent seed for the Big East tournament and maybe make some type of run. Is that something you can go, all right, at least that's a possibility that Quinton kind of snaps that? No. no? No. I, if you're worried about making runs and doing something this year, you've lost the point of the season for I, I guess. I'm just one that I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to turn over every rock and, and every hope until oh, I'm, I'm out of hope and of out course. of rocks, and, and sure, And sure are they. Like, I mean, they're, right. they're playing to win too, but if you're an – fan that actually cares about the program is looking like and you're still getting mad with each game i mean you don't really understand what you're watching i would i would say like you should be saying how are they going to figure this quentin gooden thing out how are they going to get all these guys going forward in the next year so theoretically if they bring in some reinforcements whether that be freshmen or more grad transfers or whatever it is they're they're going to need more talent still these guys aren't enough clearly but I think that's the key is, okay, do you have some hope going forward into next year that these guys are good enough that if you add another shooter or a grad transfer that can really play, that it will put you in a better situation? Offense ain't their problem. Um, They're in the 160s on defense. Yeah, well, that part of that's because of their offense, too. I mean, when you go through long stretches where you can't score and you don't get to set your defense, it hurts your defense. They they have a lot of issues. I mean, it is – we've talked about it multiple times. It's whack-a-mole. Like – one game it's this, and then you fix it, and then it's three other things the next game. So they've got a lot of issues. Defense is clearly one of them, but it's not necessarily the star players. Like Their issues defensively aren't Quentin Gooden, Najee Marshall, Paul Scruggs, Tyreek Jones, Zach Hankins. It's some of the new guys that they brought in can't play at all and don't know the system, and so that's hurt them. But I, defensively, I don't think that's a problem next year. It is a problem on this year's team, but part of that's because they can't score at all either, and they go through long stretches where they don't get to set their defense, and that makes it really difficult to defend when you're guarding in transition on basically every possession for seven straight minutes. With not a lot of guys who are running in transition for that long, too. I mean, you're playing yeah. where they play they get seven tired guys. Out, yeah. yeah, and then they're still just – I mean, I don't know – the pack line defense, you know, Chris Mack always argued that in today's day and age, it was it was built for today's basketball because guys weren't as high as IQ and uh, they didn't play off the passes more. It was more ball screen and guarding, drive and kick stuff. I just, but pack line gives up so many threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's designed to give up jump shots. Even if you play it really well, you give up some jump shots. I I don't know that it's the best defense for basketball in the way it's played in 2019 going forward uh, guys so. guys just shoot the three ball too well well and, and, they just do and, and so many teams now are going to four guards and one big and they're either going four out one in or they're just spreading you out completely and they're coming downhill and if you can't stop yours you're giving up easy kick out threes and it's just it's really hard to defend yeah i mean it's really hard to try to compare like virginia to xavier because they're playing with better talent sure um but 
But not many teams are playing unless, pack line either. But so. unless you're going to sell out and basically go kind of like Mick Cronin or Tony Bennett style and how you approach the game and your discipline level and the way you play offensively has to factor into that too and you got to slow it down, you're not going to defend in the pack line. I just, I just don't know that it works at this level. Unless you're going to play that style where you micromanage everything, slow it down, you're always playing from a, from a set position – then I think maybe the pack line can still work, but unless you're going to commit to that, the pack line would not be my favorite defensive system. And I just wonder if they have to look at that going forward because they year after year they're giving up threes. And I think this year it shows when you don't have a, well, you can't a lot of talent. Because you can't match it either. That's the thing. Yeah, you're, you're just. Ma- I mean, you're not matching that. You're just giving up too many threes. Yeah. Um, inside the trading league, threes for zeros is bad, <laughs> especially when it's four threes to your zeros and it's a 12 0 run. And you're like, okay, now we're done. Um, and that's happened a bunch of times. Uh, there are two teams that have obviously in the league kind of ascended Nova and Marquette. And then it is an absolute mishmash from there. Everybody else has at least four losses. No one has more than five losses. So it's the mishmash. We kind of thought it was going to be and has become question though is when you start to look at that mishmash, how many teams out of that group can maybe get to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, this is, but this question comes up almost every year around this time. I, it's not always as, as jam-packed like this right. where everyone's got a bunch of losses, but it's always pretty tight after those first two or three teams. And then people start saying, well, how many teams are really going to yeah. get in the tournament this year? Well, then one of those teams with three or four or five losses goes and wins at Villanova or yeah. goes and wins at St. John's or goes and wins at Creighton or whatever. It's usually Butler. Yeah, whatever the big win needed is that year, they go and get it. Right, which of the teams do you think can, can ascend? Which of the couple of teams do you think have the potential to do it? I mean, outside of Providence, Georgetown, Xavier, and DePaul, all of them. Okay. I mean, every single Seton Hall, Butler, um, Marquette. I mean, Marquette and Villanova are obviously in, but Seton Hall, Butler, St. John's. Um, who else? I'm drawing a blank on who else is even in the conference. At this uh, point. Well, I mean, Four, Creighton. Five, six, Creighton. Seven, eight, nine, yeah, yeah Creighton, Creighton. Creighton could do it. So. Yeah, I think all those teams are in I, contention. Creighton's worse defensively than Xavier. Seton Hall Creighton though, doesn't even try to play defense. No, they they're not interested in it at all. But that's not. No. You look up all of a sudden, though, Seton Hall's record isn't great. I mean, they have the Kentucky scalp, but no, but they've got a big enough win. They're still good. Go, go look at St. John's. I know. They 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 made a lot of hay on going twelve and zero and not beating anybody non conference. They've lost four out of five. Well, they're three and five in the league. So yeah, yeah. they've lost yeah. four out of five. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, but again, they they're, get they're trending backwards quickly. Oh, of course, but they got it racked up enough wins early that now you go get one quadrant win, one one quadrant one win on, on the, the road, road. Yeah. and your resume is all of a sudden probably good enough. And same thing with those those other teams is it's like you got like Seton Hall, they have a big scalp already. They've got two really, yeah, and, and Kentucky and Maryland, and, and oh, that's right, yeah, and the record's not looking great, but all of a sudden they get one more big win. It's like, well, they're definitely. I mean, I in think too, Seton so. Hall makes it. Yeah, Just Kentucky and Maryland is going to give them enough. I don't know that Seton Hall or that St. John's, yeah, they racked up wins. They didn't rack up any win of any significance in non-conference. But you, no, you, but this is but that's the thing that the Big East always does. We always say that about a couple teams. Like one team has too many losses at this point. Another team has plenty of wins, but no big wins. And then in the last few weeks of the Big East tournament, they go get what they the, need. The collusion is strong in the Big it East. It happens every like, year. The, the, we, we literally have this conversation every year. Since and we've been doing I mean, this. In, in AAC and, and Big East terms we will say it again until selection 68 have to make it that is the rule yeah when you start going around and looking at the rest of the conference oh, I know. no no you're right it's impossible yeah. to find who's going to make the tournament like you're like oh no i mean the pac-12 is the most ridiculous example this year. like there's not one team with a resume deserving of getting in the tournament correct and somebody has to because somebody's gonna be their league champion when they have the tournament yeah, yeah but they might get one i know <laughs> 
the they'll, league they'll champion end, of their tournament. They'll end up with two, probably, almost yeah. certainly. Washington's Washington, probably going to get in. But, I, I mean, I don't know that they get three. And for that conference to only have two teams in is pretty crazy. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it, it really and truly is. Let's move to Kentucky. Um, I got to watch them a couple times. How about that? How about that? Uh they they've obviously started to string together some really nice wins. Although the more Auburn plays, the less the quality of win. That, that I, I will say now, you were very happy about your Justin Jennifer take. I think your better take this year on the podcast was your Auburn take last week. You said that you're starting to worry about them. I'll tell you what. After another loss, I am legitimately worried because the other ones it was like like you said they were their best games they had played. So you could kind of look at it and just say. You, you lose some games. It's basketball. Like, they're yeah. close games. It's not like they're I was just like, you all. lose all four of your best games. Right. It, it was a legit, my eyebrow raises. It was a legit point. Um, and then now all of a sudden you have another slip up and things are starting to spiral a little bit. I do think there are legitimate concerns about a team that lets other teams shoot threes at a ridiculous rate and puts them at the free throw line at a ridiculous rate. They give up too many easy points from beyond the arc yeah. and freebies at the free throw line to consistently pull those games out, and they turn the ball over a ton. Now, it's great that they get steals in the elite level, and they block shots at an elite level, and they have defensive playmakers, but you can't, in crucial moments, put them at the free throw line or let them shoot wide yeah. open threes. They have to find a way to blend their style with winning at the end of basketball games. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, the Kentucky, the win Saturday, <clears throat> I thought said more about Kansas than it did Kentucky. In that Kansas without Udoka as a bouquet is not a right. title contender. Well, because Kentucky bullied them. Yeah, three guys had the double rim. doubles. Bull- three? How did three guys have double doubles? That's a absurd and people were too high on kansas to begin with I, I never saw them as in the same tier as duke basically i don't think anyone's in the same tier as duke this year like duke is to me is allowed to have a few more slip-ups along the way because they have so many things to figure out with all those new guys that like i get it i get it it's not fair to say like well duke lost a game too how are you not gonna say yeah how are you gonna say they're dominant but to me when you watch these teams duke is heads and shoulders talent wise above anyone else that we've that we've seen, in my opinion, I do not see Michigan as that team. I do not see Kansas as that team. I do not see Michigan State as that team. I Michigan not see and Tennessee are pretty team. close. Well, Tennessee, Tennessee might be the closest yeah. one, in my Michigan opinion. Michigan and Tennessee are close. I still do not see them as a team on Duke's level. Now, granted, the NCAA tournament is a one-game scenario, so it's not always the best team that wins it. But to me, Duke is such a heavy favorite. Well, with Kansas, I was lockstep on your opinion of them coming into the season. And then we watched him against Michigan State, and Udoka Azabuke is was really good. Back to the basket, yep. drop steps, turn, hook, right hand, left hand, reverse, like all of a sudden look like what we didn't think Udoka Azabuke was ever going to look like. Offensively, yeah. And I went, well, that that changes my mind some because that makes them a little bit, it gives them an element I, I did not think that they had. He's gone now. That element is gone, and it there's Devontae Graham and Frank Mason aren't walking through that door. Like they don't have a killer, I don't think. And Kentucky just flat out bullied them on the glass and at the rim, skinny. I mean, no doubt, it, it was unfair at times. Like you want to throw in the towel, stop the fight. Three double doubles. Three that's double ridiculous. Doubles. That's incredible and, and that's one thing we haven't seen a lot from this kentucky team since early in the non-conference where they're playing some schools that just right. have no chance right. inside yeah but we talked about how they were getting away from reed travis a little bit and getting the ball into him and pj washington's been still pretty consistent with his production but it's because he does everything yeah they, it's not like they were pounding the ball and getting to the free throw line getting right. a lot of easy buckets and that game we saw them like you said just bully a team 
I think they're going to be able to do that to more teams as they continue to get the guards going and more comfortable. They're going to start finding ways to get those big guys in position again to score. And I, I still really like this Kentucky team. There's well, not a lot of good bigs in the sport. No, correct. It's just, it's not, there aren't. And and so Kentucky, Kentucky's got four of them. Yeah, they got they got some guys in there. And NBA guys are super high on Kelvin Johnson, like yeah. super high on him. I don't know that I've seen. I mean, he's been good recently. I don't know that I've seen like a breakout game from him necessarily that made me say, "Oh yeah, like he's clearly a top five draft pick now." But almost all of the projections now have him in the top five of the draft. Yeah, and he was one of the double double guys on on Saturday. As Kentucky as they sit here today, move their way into. A, a one seed contention, and I say that only because they sort of have a yes. yeah, contention. yeah, because because they have so many opportunities still at Tennessee twice, uh, LSU uh, come. In fact, I think they have a stretch. I'm gonna look at it. Give me a second. They've got a stretch where they go at Mississippi State, LSU at home, and then Tennessee at home. So three what are currently ranked teams, and Tennessee being number one. Um, I mean, you. I think the good the, the thing for them is they've got some scalps, and you have a chance to get a, a bunch more. I yeah, mean, a whole I mean, bunch more. Where you could actually, if you can get a bunch of those more, you could have a slip up or two, which you're going to probably still have in this league. You're going to go to Florida and maybe lose. You're going to go somewhere like that, like Alabama, and lose. Yeah, assuming they don't really struggle, they're going to end up with at least three to four more quadrant one wins. Still got Ole Miss on the road. I mean, I mean, at least they could end up with several more quadrant one right. wins. Right, they could end up with the best resume in the country. Yeah, because the SEC is just so loaded this year, right. and, just, and rightfully so. Like, I don't think those metrics are skewed. I think this no, no, conference right. is loaded. So, um, yeah, I think they can definitely be a one seed. Now, I don't think they're in that position right now. I think they're probably like a three seed right now. Yeah, that's probably their fair. current resume. That's probably fair. Maybe a two. Yeah, maybe two. The thing is, they do, have, the, they do have some big wins now. They're pushing a two. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, let's move to the, uh, the Northern Kentucky University I, Norse. I just want you to thank me. Four? Yesterday. Were you thinking of them during the game? No, yesterday. Watched the Kentucky game. Didn't know that NKU was on, but they were on Fox Sports Ohio. Ah, so I'm right, flipping through. A handful of games. Flipping through. Found it. Turned to the game. 38-36 Norse. And I went, ooh, going to be a good one. And within four minutes, they were up 15. That's because you said it out loud, ooh, yeah. going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking Chad and not John Brandon for that. Yeah, exactly. Definitely yeah, gonna exactly. So he, he's using the – see, I like what you're doing because I every every week I, I keep asking you. I mean, they're not going to lose another Horizon stop. League game. I don't, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, stop. They, I, I'd be surprised if they did. I'd be shocked. Especially if I'm watching. Yeah. I mean, I think he like he should be getting me four tickets, not Bobby Regan and Mo Egger should be treating is. me to games. I mean, he's the one that his, – his words – is what sparked the Norse to, to lengthen that, that game yesterday and pull away for a victory. It wasn't Drew McDonald. No. No, not at all. Who played exceptionally well. Made a few threes. 30 and 13 on yeah. a sprained ankle. Made a few it, threes, yeah. it was me turning the game on at 38-36. Yeah. At what point do we take Drew ser- seriously for National Player of the Year? I mean, honestly. <laughs> you don't, unfortunately. You really? Don't. I, don't, I, like I think him, we though. might. I think you might need ha- to. Hang on. Somebody does, because he's actually up. He's a finalist or semi-finalist for, for the, the, Lou, the Lou Henson Should be the wooden. Award. You know what the Lou Henson Award is for? Best teammate or something? No, the mid-major college basketball player of the year, which I don't... I, I, oh, give it to him. I think we give that to him. Well, he's got one problem there. His name's Ja. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's a good call. Well, he can be the mid-major and Drew will be the... Overall player of the year. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. I have no issue with that's that. That's fair enough. Yeah, give, um, give him the Henson Award. The, the, the interesting one to me, and I'll start with this, was Chris Vogt, the big guy, 7-4 um, on, uh, on the midweek game against Green Bay, goes for 20-12. and 12. Where did that come from? It, it's been in there. Earlier in the year, he had some games, a stretch of games, where he looked really good and was really taking up some backup minutes. And then the last few weeks, 
it seemed like the coaching staff didn't trust him or Silas Adecki backing up Drew at all and didn't want to put either one of them in. And we've seen a lot more minutes out of Adrian Nelson, even Adrian sliding down and playing the five some and, and not the four. And then Drew goes down with a sprained ankle and vote just somebody I, has to play. I, yeah, I don't know if it was just knowing he didn't have to look over his shoulder to get pulled out. So maybe. he's just playing with a lot of confidence maybe. or what, but his activity level and just when he's aggressive and just trying to dunk everything and block everything, but still stays inside the system and like knows what's going on around and plays with some awareness. He's legit. Like his hands have come so far, his feel, his footwork, all things I thought he'd never be able to do at this level, honestly. When he committed there, I just didn't think he could play at this level. And this is where when you see guys, I mean, when people can see the DeAndre Aytons and the Joel Embiid's and those kind of guys who are just light years better as bigs, they developed quicker and better. And it just doesn't happen with big guys. I mean, there's so many high school big guys. And they're but, also 25. Well, okay. But no, my, my point being, being <laughs> well, DeAndre Ayton didn't come out at 25. I mean, he, he, he may be, maybe close. But no, the point being, though, those skilled guys, those skilled guys are just on a different level. Most big guys coming into college – well, it's still it takes time. It takes a lot of time. If you're that big and you're already developed, they pay you hundreds of thousands Correct. of dollars to come to their school. Yeah, like well, you, you go number one in the draft. There's two or three of those a year. You're part of an FBI case. That's yeah. a good point too. Yeah, there, yeah. there is that. I don't think you had to drop any bags to get Chris Vote on campus. No, and I think that's the thing. And, and you know, sometimes people look and go, "Well, this guy's only averaging twelve and eight in high school. How is that possible?" Well, I mean, he's three years from being any good. Yes, correct, correct. And I, I think everybody just sees, well, he's six foot eleven or he's seven foot tall. He has to dominate the six three guy in high school. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He grew he eight inches last year. Yeah, and he can't figure out how to walk and run at the <laughs> yeah. same time. Well, then there's, catch a basketball. There's also the issue of one high school teams understanding how to use a big man. Well, like correct, that. but two officials can't ref them. No, I mean, they call that. over the back and charges on everything against a guy who's seven foot because, just because the guy's a foot well, shorter in, than Well, in, in high school, too. I mean, you see it because there's not as many, by far, there's not as many knockdown three-point shooters. You're going to get a big guy getting dug on from every single solitary direction. Oh. Where in college, you can't always leave Fred out on the perimeter because Fred's going to rise up and knock it down nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, I just shot video of Deontay Miles at Walton Verona who's going to come to Xavier next His year. He scored 22 points on Saturday some, some way. Yeah, and, and it was like just watching, like, everyone's takeaway after watching the video is like, oh my God, those refs are terrible. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, you just, they can't ref guys that big. They don't get it. No, correct. I, I would agree with that. Um, NKU next has IUPUI. They also are off for a little period of time. They play them on, on Friday, then at Illinois, Chicago. Um, moving forward, this team is probably going to win the league, which will guarantee it the NIT again. Um, is there anything that, that you'd like to see them get better out over the next few weeks that makes you feel good? Probably when they get with, aren't they going undefeated? They, they've already they already took the L. They already took uh, the I L. mean the rest of the oh, way. Oh, so, yeah, so they will win. We're the league. done with. Yeah, this so segment. they will win the league. Seventeen and one. No, is there anything that, that you look at and you go? I, I need to see more of that from these guys or this guy. I think it's it's or is it them maybe not getting bored? Well, I think that I was just going to say, I think the tough thing for them is playing in this conference. Everyone wants to see them just dominate, wants to see them run over every team and they go on the road and, oh, how'd they let that team come back? And they only won by five or six or whatever. That's the hardest part. It's the same thing like UC is dealing with every time they go on the road in the American. They've got the X on their back. Right. Everyone is taking, they're getting everyone's best shot. So to me, it's just showing the maturity and they've done a great job of that this year. I thought they'd have more slip ups for them to only be at four losses. It's like, this team's been very mature at handling the success that they've had and, and going on the road and taking teams' best shots and still performing at a high level. I think that's the biggest thing you want to see, but really it's just keeping everyone healthy too. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. you've had Drew nicked up. You've had Jalen Tate nicked up a lot. Bunch, yeah. You need those two guys at the end of the year to be 100%. So I think that's the biggest thing. I'm really interested to see what it's going to be like hosting a conference tournament game this year. I like the change. The Horizon League, they're 
every year the one seed loses in like the first round of the Horizon League tournament right. in Detroit. So they've moved it so you get to host your first game. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Are you excited about the Horizon League tournament news? Yeah, moving to Indy next year. A little bit closer for you. That's great. I mean, it's it's IUPUI's gym, so from that yeah. standpoint, it stinks. Like, it's not going to be the nice new facility, but you don't have that many people at the tournament. So having a more intimate atmosphere is probably sure. going to be it's more gonna look fun. Better. It's going to look do they, better. Do they serve beer at the IUPUI gym? As long as I, – I would hope so. If not, I think we'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a clever guy like that. I know in RPI, NKU 74, where are they in Kempom now? Because I know they're at least probably in that – think they're up, somewhere in that number, I think right? they're up to like 81 or 82. Wow. I mean, they had slid a spot above Xavier after I, Thursday. I saw, I saw you screenshot it. Yeah, and then um, now they're – Now like, they're just – Now they're, now they're like five space. or six spots away wow. from Xavier. Xavier's like 87 or 81, something like that. How last that? I checked, yeah. How about that? Well, it'll keep getting even broader because we're not going to lose another Horizon League game. And then you're shaking your head at me. All right. One of the buzzes of the weekend, obviously, was the fake news story of West Virginia getting on an, on, on the wrong airplane. And Wait, that was fake? Things. Yeah. Um, but hold on. They didn't get on the wrong airplane? No, the funny part to this was... The how, funny, the, how did that get reported? I, uh, who knows? The funny part, though, was when I first saw that, I went... A, that sounds like it's absolutely impossible. And I went, well, B, it's hugs. And who uh, yeah, knows? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I'm like... I would never... You know, I, I, went, I went... You just broke my heart. <laughs> I would never have double-checked that because I was like, yeah, yeah, Huggins' team absolutely did that. <laughs> they absolutely got on a plane to Phoenix. So what actually happened? I seriously did not see that this I, was I don't know real. how it got reported out wrong. How did it get reported out? Well, I don't know. Well, you're, was, you're breaking the news to us that this is fake. Well, how did they end up in the wrong city then if they didn't get on the wrong plane? They, what went, happened? they wound up in Knoxville. They, they wound up where they were supposed to go. They wound up where they were supposed to go. So Wait, it just got reported they flew to the wrong city randomly? Yes. So nothing actually happened? No. No. There was actually I, video of them getting off the airplane in Knoxville. I'm so, well, I mean, they got to Knoxville, so clearly I, I, I feel like everything's a lie. How did that happen? How did I not know it was no, the, the, the best part was, obviously, the, the director of ops would have been the one that was in the hot seat, but I could just see Hugs with his fifth, just getting in the front of the plane, sitting down. He's not caring where he's going to go. It's he's, the most believable thing ever. It, it really is. Especially in a losing year. It really, he could not care less about nope, this season. Correct. Correct. What was the comment after, after Saturday's game when they lost? They lost to Tennessee. He said, he "said one thing my team's always taken pride in is in this team in, in this program is is we guard people. This team's made me a liar." So <laughs> he's had some good ones this year. I, I mean, him. he's not wrong. He's that, not wrong. That whole gimmick press is just not good if you're not really talented. No, and really tough. No, correct. And now Beetle Bolden got hurt, so now he lost one of his few offensive threats too. Lots of so, bummer. Yeah, exactly. All right, you got a final take, Chad Brendel? No, I've used up all my final takes. Okay. I, and I, I was thinking about the Huggins thing as maybe one of them as well. But you, now my whole world I, is a lie. I bet you're glad you didn't run with that one. I, I, I'm. I'm Flustered right now. Yeah, Everything is a lie. From the fake news, liberal, lamestream media over there. That's what it is. You got anything, Rick Boring? No. 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 Wait, wait, did you see the, the, the kid guarding uh, LaMelo? No. You, you have to watch this video. There's this, did they, he abuse him? He literally looks like he's 47. His hairline is like all the way back to here. And he's like, like that dude from Wichita. What was that dude from Wichita's name? Well, wrong. but he was a, a, a better tan. Okay, you know what I'm saying. And he kind of did abuse him. Yeah, like he stole the ball from him once. And like it's it, Bobby Riggs has got it up on barstool. It, this it literally looks like a five foot four, forty seven year old man at the rec league, just working Lamelo ball and then playing up to the crowd, like fist pumping and like puffing his chest out 
It is amazing. It's, we we should stop for 90 seconds. Let Rick watch this video and then resume. It's been a while since we talked about the Ball family well, on this podcast, I, I meant, especially meant, as a final take. I meant to ask you because apparently he was at some event they were in, I believe down in Marshall County, Kentucky. $3,500. $3,500 he was charging people to videotape. Are you kidding me? Yeah, don't hate that move. I don't hate that move. It's a big baller move. Yeah, I mean, like... If you're going to go all in, you got to go all big baller. Yeah, and look, like, this is the thing. We're talking about that. I know. For no re- I know. Like, we stopped dude, for a while. Here's I, the thing. I got if, off the merry-go-round. If you just go into that gym and film them, nothing's going to happen. Correct. They, but they put the story out there, and so it's a big deal, and everyone gets mad at them Correct. For it and talks about them. Take my little iPhone in there and shoot away. So, so silly. So silly, for sure. Hold on. Here we go. Okay, well, he, he wants Watch to show you. Watch this live, Rick. Okay. Hang on, now, now it's piqued my interest. Oh yeah, that is quite the hairline. Yeah, that's a hairline. My man's got a. My man looks like. Well, it seems like he's been a little bit of a provocateur here. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. A little shove off. Oh, he was trying to to go viral. Yeah. Well, Lamella's just a nice young man trying to oh, play no the question. game. I don't know. Why oh wow, then he pushed him. him in the face. Oh, he's in his head now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like it. All right. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's an all timer. That 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 kid. Is 50. Yeah, basically it was a defensive possession. The kid got up in Lamella's grill before the possession. Then Lamella shoved him off like and clocked his face and got <laughs> called for an offensive foul. And the kid started. And I say kid loosely because he does look he like he's 56. He looks like he's 43. He's older than you. There's yeah. no question. There's and, uh, no question. He hyped up the crowd. So. I like it. Yeah. Very good. All right, boys. We'll be back next Sunday. All right. Good stuff. For Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, make sure you head to his website. For Rick Boring of Musketeer Report, make sure you head to his website. I'm Richard Skinner. Head to our website, local12.com. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.